Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Morning Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend rugby action, or with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Moreover Podcast, we are Moreover Rugby Podcast on Facebook. You can find all of our podcast stuff on Apple Pods and Google and the uh, Spotify and lots of other good podcatchers. If, if you do listen and don't tend to interact, then please let us know how you found us. That is always interesting to know and uh, and why you keep listening. Um, and we appreciate all your feedback. And if you get the chance, leave us a review somewhere, anywhere, you know, anywhere in the ether would be nice. Um, we might as well just, should we just keep calling it Moreover Podcast or should we just keep calling it Punch and Chat every week and not bother talking about rugby? It's pretty decent, isn't it? It's, it's been nine weeks and you haven't rewritten the intro yet. I know, so. yeah. But yeah, you probably do that intro in your sleep, do you? I do, mate. Yeah, and and the and the intro is something that I yeah I've perfected over many years, and you know, it's not something that I can uh, just turn off. Yeah, perfected <laughs> wouldn't be the word I would use to describe <laughs> it. Bungled but... <laughs> your way through. Done a better job than Doug of. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh, just because he's. Got a generic home county's accent. Nothing wrong with that. Anyway, we're going to do some uh, we're going to do some punching chat. So, uh, Adam, why don't you? Oh, in fact, no. Let me uh, introduce George first of all. George, one of our long term listeners, friend of the pod, friend of us in real life, some might say, um, <laughs> who is dressed incredibly well for our YouTube debut, and uh, yeah. Welcome, George. How you doing? Evening, all. Good, thanks. You all all right? Good, mate. Good. Bristol, Bristol fan? Bristol fan, yeah. Bristol My born and bred. Fish, pond, fish Ponds boy, for those of you that uh, know Bristol. Yeah, Fish Ponds all the way. Dings Crusaders veteran. Yeah, veteran, pushing it lightly, but 
Dings Crusaders, blue and, blue and black all the way through. Lovely, lovely stuff. Um, we're going to do some punchy chat this evening. Six questions, Adam, plus some AOB, and we'll we'll see how long that takes us, shall us? Yeah, let's let's do it, George. Before we start, is this your first time on the Mall Over podcast or whatever this is? No, I was on it back in the early days. Once, Are you, uh, okay. We we recorded an episode from from George's kitchen once. Well, I think we might have even done a couple of episodes from George's kitchen, and uh, yeah, but it was. Well, Mrs. F, Mrs. F put on a, a, a nice uh, buffet, didn't she? Love, lovely spread. Yeah. And the buffet wasn't bad either. She's just left. She's just left you. Room. True, though. Right. Let's get started. And being a being a rugby podcast we we start with a rugby question and with george cruz have i pronounced that right yeah i suddenly doubted myself there george cruz because he's the rugby expert that i am um he's uh he's off to japan and he's leaving the lovely saracens um this came from doug this question who isn't here tonight uh, but he would like to know who else you would wish would go with him to japan and uh, let's start with the housewife's favourite. So I'm going to let you into a little secret about my methodology for answering these questions. I generally take about 40 seconds coming up with answers. And then the rest of the time between then and the pod, trying to think about how I can justify those answers. And I think I should probably take a bit more time thinking about what I say in the first place. Um, but I suppose the point is yeah. there is a, there's a there's a multitude of pundits out there who are just irritants and add nothing to the game. Um, but fortunately, most of them, you can just shut them off. You can mute them on Twitter. You can choose not to follow them. You can choose not to read what they write. But there's one guy who just infects every bit of rugby, and that is Stuart Barnes. And as far as oh. I'm concerned, he can bugger off to Japan. I suppose a fringe benefit of that is what he'll probably do is he'll go over to Japan and he'll start the Sapporo Saracens with the backing of Nigel Ray and start some co-investments in the Japanese league and try and take over the world through Japan. But equally, that's fine because it means that we don't need to listen to Doug talking about salary caps. (laughs) Lovely. Uh, Russ, who are you sending to the Far East? Oh, I struggled with this one for ages, thinking about current players and who I'd love to to send wherever, really. Just who are... And all I could really think of this afternoon was along the similar lines to what Phil was saying, is the, uh, the BT Sport commentary team. Um, more because whenever I watch a game on BT Sport when they're there. And this isn't Ali Aitken and, and Nick Mullen specific. This is more to do with Ugo Monya and his Quinn's loving, Lawrence Delalio and his Wasps obsession, and Austin Healy and his Leicester Tigers bumming. And I just think <laughs> that, you know, whenever these these commentators or co-commentators or summarizers do their own teams it just turns into a bit of a farce and they won't have any a bad word said against it. And, and there's no balance, there's no fairness. And 
it's just a bit embarrassing. So I think if they were all, all those summarizers were sent to Japan, they'd have to pick new teams and nobody would have to watch it. There we go. Uh, George. So I thought I was going to be a bit more um, unique with going for pundits, but I've chosen BBC's own Brian Moore and Eddie Butler to go together. (laughs) Um, Brian Moore can go no longer have to commentate on how bad the scrums are when it's wet because they don't really do scrums in Japan. And Eddie Butler can go and try and practice his Japanese accent instead of his French accent and try and pronounce some of the names over there and even maybe take up some sumo wrestling. <laughs> I think we'd all like to see that. Okay, and finally, Ben. Um, there's a certain um, kind of rugby player that, uh, or rugby fan probably is fairer to say, that when you start talking to them, their thought process kind of goes, I know more about rugby than you, and now I'm going to prove it. And the way they prove it is by telling you that Danny Cipriani should walk into the England team, and he's, a be- he's the best fly-up in the country, he's the missing link for the England team, and that's how we win the World Cup. Um, so I'd like Danny Cipriani to go to Japan just to shut them up. Um, he's reached that kind of stage of his career where a payday would do him good, um, and um, he's not better than Ford, and he's not better than Farrell. So I just think people that want to be rugby hipsters um, can be kept quiet by him uh, taking a couple of years out. Yeah, go go and take the money, Danny. You've yeah. you've earned it. Well, you've no, you haven't, but you know, go and take <laughs> the money anyway. <laughs> okay, next question. Apparently, and I, this is refreshing. That refreshing. Uh, What's his name? I'm not even going to mention his name. Free zone. Uh, but somebody travelled recently for quite a long way when they shouldn't have. Um, so what's the furthest you've travelled specifically for live sport and what was it? In fact, before I hear your answers, I'm going to dangle a bonus, let's say, six points for whoever's gone the furthest. And let's go to you first, George. So a few years ago, my previously mentioned wife and I were planning a holiday and I said well why don't we go to the States Um, because uh, we wanted to see a few cities go to New York see the East Coast go to Boston but really the only reason I wanted to go was to go to Madison Square Garden to see the Knicks we ended up going on a two-week holiday three days in we saw the Knicks on the last night, instead of going out for a romantic meal, we went to Yankee Stadium and watched the Yankees. So she got two sports games in two weeks and a bit of a holiday as well. But yeah, so New York for me. And a bit of a holiday as well. Whatever. <laughs> that wasn't why you went. <laughs> uh, Phil, how far have you travelled for sports? So... I'd be very much surprised if anybody's gone further, although the the method by which we got there was quite long and convoluted. Um, Similar wife-related holiday, I like to call it a honeymoon, that involved going (laughs) via Bali to Australia to New Zealand and spending quite a lot of time travelling around New Zealand, two weeks of which was in a camper van in the South Island. And conveniently, I managed to cock up the dates during which we were traveling around the South Island and managed to get an extra day stuck in, how do you pronounce that town, Ben? Dunedin, is it? Dunedin? Dunedin, that's right, Dunedin. Um, Just when there happened to be the West Indies touring 
uh, and a West Indies New Zealand test match going on. So managed to wangle myself a couple of tickets, turned up at 10 o'clock in the morning to a sky filled with... I bet those tickets were hard to get hold of. Oh, no, yeah. Really, really (laughs) difficult. Cost cost about £8.50 each. Um, To a sky filled with rain clouds, and it pissed it down all day, so I didn't even get to watch any cricket. (laughs) That's as fantastic as that is. I'm struggling to... Yeah, George was a push at best. I'm struggling to believe that you've travelled to Dunedin just for the New Zealand West Indies Test match. Um, but let's 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 say you have. Um, ben, you're going to um, struggle to. I'm worried that you. I'm pretty sure there's nowhere on earth that could actually beat Phil's answer for distance. No, mine's less distance and more time. Um, <laughs> Let me tell you about the time I left on a Friday to go and see England at Twickenham and uh, didn't get home till Tuesday. Um, <laughs> so this was uh, March 2018, I think it was, England versus Ireland at Twickenham. Um, and uh, I left uh, home on a Friday, um, stayed halfway um, and then travelled to London on the train, uh, got to Clapham Junction and it started to snow. Um, so I thought, I could be in trouble here. Yeah? Um, Watch the game. Uh, to top it all off, England got absolutely panelled. Um, and then as I got to Twickenham Station, the heavens opened and the snow started. I got the last train out of Clapham. I've waited for about three hours at Clapham Junction. And um, yeah, I spent two nights in Yeovil and got home late on the Tuesday. Two nights in Yeovil? Mm. Pe- pen mill Am I uh, no it, it no it was it would have been pen mill yeah no junction i would have been at junction Sorry. okay so a poor poor southwest yeah. round knowledge from me there i, I apologize um russ uh yes yeah, so in 2006 i was still in the military i was still playing my trade in the raf loosely um, and I just got back from uh, Oman. I spent four months in Oman on detachment, more like a, a form of holiday, but don't tell the Queen. Um, <laughs> but what I managed to do whilst I was over there is uh, save a boatload of money because I wasn't doing anything while I was out there. And uh, I was also bootlegging cigarettes, sending them home and selling them, you know, HMRC, come get me. And... Uh, Anyway, so I managed to... They were unlikely to to get you, but I can take points off. You know, it's it's tax. (laughs) Is it tax evasion or tax avoidance? Tax avoidance. Avoidion? Tax (laughs) avoidance? Anyway, right. So I I got back and it was right in the sort of the group stages as I got back of the um, 2006 World Cup in Germany. Football World Cup. And uh, so I got back the first game that I saw when I got home was uh, England versus Ecuador. David Beckham scored a free kick in the last 16 to put us into a quarterfinal with Portugal in Gelsenkirchen, where Schalke play. Uh, On a random Wednesday, I was on two weeks leave post-deployment. On a random Wednesday, me and my mate had a bit of a chat and said, why don't we go to Germany? I've got a few weeks off, got a... um, Bit of cash in the cash in the bank. Let's go. So on the on the Wednesday at midnight, we left Nuki in my Vauxhall Astra and we drove to 
Uh, Ramsgate got the ferry to Ostend. Why we did that, I don't know. David Akale was just as easy. And, uh, <laughs> and we drove solidly till sort of five o'clock the next day when we reached Gelsenkirchen, found a campsite, which was right next to the stadium, spent three days drinking in, and partying in Gelsenkirchen in some of the best atmosphere I've, I've ever experienced. I didn't see one ounce of trouble. Uh, got to the game, paid extortionate amount of money outside the stadium for a couple of tickets and sat behind the goal as uh, Jamie Carragher and Frank Lampard missed penalties. Wayne Rooney got sent off uh, the famous winking Ronaldo incident. And I've never been so sort of euphoric, you know, excited and, and, and in anticipation for a game only to be so devastatingly flat afterwards to the point where we'd been drinking all day up to the to the game, drank uh, in the stadium during the game. And then afterwards, uh, we went back to the campsite. We basically went, had some food, went straight to sleep, woke up at five o'clock in the morning and drove back. <laughs> and that was that was it. But an incredible trip. And I've been to a World Cup quarterfinal. So, yeah. That is brutal. Um uh, Phil, you're going to get the. Did I, how many bonus points did I say it was? Six? I think you'd think I remember. 74, I think. 74. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm giving <laughs> you six. Okay. <laughs> For a split second, I thought, I'm, what the hell? I'll give you 74 points. <laughs> who's who's going to know? Um, with that in mind, I didn't give you 74 points because I'm doing this properly and this is a very serious format and the points matter. Yeah. Obviously. They matter more than kickers. <laughs> yeah, well, what doesn't? Um, ben, you are on 20. George, 23. Phil in the lead on 27. Uh, Russ, with your little German excursion, you're on 26. Why so... is he last? That's fucking horrific. No, no I'm last. Oh, I thought I was last then. Wasn't listening, was I? No. no I <laughs> Um, in fact, that's you're still not last. How can I? How can I? No, I can't be bothered. Right, platinum jiffy bag question time. Nine points on offer if you match my answer, and obviously you won't because nobody ever does. And recently we did a best stash in sport question, and I can't believe that we did best before worst given this show. But here we here we are. Um, worst stash in sports, and this question, of course, is sponsored by Umbro Rugby. So let's start with Russ. Um, I don't suppose anybody remembers the uh, the early 2000s when the Cameroonians turned up to the African Nations Cup in what could only be described as a onesie um, in a one-piece light cricket, which was one of the worst things uh, football has ever seen. Uh, the Cameroon Football Federation uh, were fined one hundred and fifty-four thousand U.S. dollars for for wearing that kit by the uh, the African FA. Um, but not only that, they then tried to, uh, or previous to that, should I say, they tried to get away with turning up to a World Cup in two thousand and two with a shirt that didn't contain any sleeves, uh, <laughs> to which FIFA uh, unsurprisingly blocked. So the worst stash in sport, I am uh, I am saying is Cameroon. I've given you lots of points there, but I kind of like it 
all that stuff. It's just absolutely bonkers. You you but... need to post a picture of that Cameroon um, gilet that you've got, or the waistcoat, or whatever it is. I, I do. Um, although that that isn't their finest. You know, they they brought out a lot of good stuff in that era. Um, I mean, that's close to their finest, but the sleeveless. In fact, the one piece wins it. Um, that can be sought out and bought online, I believe. Imagine. I haven't done it yet. Adam, I don't, of all the things you could wear, I'm not entirely sure it'd be your bag, mate. (laughs) The gilet certainly isn't. But um, yeah, I will, if I remember, I'll post a picture of that. Um, Someone will remind me. Okay, uh, Ben, what have you got? Um, So it's the sort of necessary evil of uh, modern sport that every shirt's got to have a sponsor. And it's very important to have decent stash that the sponsor matches the kit and it's done in a sympathetic manner. So, so adopting the color scheme of the kit. So I'm thinking the British lions shirts have been pretty good for it. Um, Barcelona, um, you know, it's a, they, they, maybe the sponsor changes the color of their logo or something. Um, but there is a serial destroyer of decent kits and it's the company DHL. So if you can imagine their logo, it's a, it looks like someone's kind of just put a um, yellow piece of masking tape over the shirt and then with red text, just put DHL on it. And uh, it's ruined in no particular order. Were you there when they designed it? That's incredible. Well, that's just what it looks like because it's so, <laughs> it's so amateurish, you know, Canada, Canada rugby shirt, that would have been a cracking shirt, red and white. And then it's suddenly got a yellow splodge across the middle um harlequins had a 100 year anniversary shirt which was a um which which looked incredible until it had a yellow splodge across the middle of it and worst of all germany's rugby kit if you can imagine the germany 1990s football shirt sort of remade into a rugby shirt it looked incredible until it had dhl just spread across the middle of it so dhl stop sponsoring rugby (laughs) Watford FC could have pulled it off, I think. Yeah, but that, that or would, Norwich. That would be about it. Uh, you mentioned about the, the sponsors and the, the colours. Um, instantly makes me think of Spurs. And there was Uproar, their current sponsor is a red logo. And it had a lot of... Russ, you, I'm sure you're familiar with this. It's AIA. Yeah. Um, and because the, their logo's red and... Obviously, red isn't the most popular colour in Tottenham. There was a huge opposition to it. I think now people have just sort of got used to it. Um, but they insisted on it being red, I think. They didn't want the... I'm, I'm boring myself now. I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> um, weirdly, this stuff quite interests me. Okay. Uh, Phil, give us some terrible stash. So I'm going to take you to Euro 96. And I'm going to take you to the tops worn by David Seaman and Tim Flowers as a start. So <laughs> horrible red colour with splodges of various different colours put all over them. Um, and as I say, as a start, this, it was, that was a symptom. It, it wasn't the disease. The disease was 90s goalkeeper shirts. And it seems to be somewhere, somewhere along the lines, goalies went, we're not getting enough attention here. We need to make our shirts look like somebody's vomited over a piece of paper. Um, and th- there are a number of them that, that clearly, like somebody, the goalie had probably made themselves and they were given a bit of free reign to kind of design their own kit. And some of them were just abominations. You've got um, 
campos looked like somebody had taken four highlighters and just drawn little triangles on with highlighters. Higita's little purple number that was just absolutely disgusting. Um, but I'm going to show you the worst of the worst. And this was the shirt of, uh, of Estonia in 1996. So I'm going to try and get it on the camera for you. Look at that wow. absolute piece of shit. Now, my, my seven-year-old could do a better job of drawing in the land than that. It's just fucking terrible. But yeah, 90s goalkeeper shirts. They can all get in the bin as far as I'm concerned. Am I right in saying that George, is it George Campos, the Mexican keeper, actually literally designed his own? Yeah, so did, you, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned him. He, he came up yeah. with all that stuff himself. I remember before, almost before that, Leeds, Leeds United in the probably late 80s, early 90s had a good, I think it was Mark Beanie and John Lukic were their keepers at the time. And they had a, a horrific, I think it was the, um, was it Top Man they used to be sponsored by, Leeds United? <laughs> yes, yes. And I think their Top Man kit had a horrific goalkeeper jersey. Uh, imagine that um, David Seaman Euro 96 yellow one with um, DHL across it. It probably looked <laughs> like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, George. So we're going to go back to 1996 again. The Premier League is dominated by one club. They're famous. Their nickname in, involves the main colour of their shirt. And then Umbro decide, I tell you what, guys, we're going to change your away kit. We're going to make it grey. They wore it five times. They didn't win. Eventually, at halftime against Southampton, Alex Ferguson said, Man United don't wear grey anymore. And they took these shirts off. They were horrific. They were horrible. The players apparently couldn't see each other whilst they were wearing them. But what makes in it a, even in better... In a stadium full of red and white people. Yeah, oh yeah. But what makes it even better is as a young Man United fan myself, I had the full kit. Shirt, shorts <laughs> and socks. As a, as a young Southampton fan, I loved that kit. Um, that was the 6-2 game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you I... remember the, um, the Chelsea one that was like grey marble with orange trim. Yes, Ooh. yes. That was I'd, grotty. I'd happily do a whole podcast on this. It's, Someone probably has. And they didn't, um, <laughs> didn't, isn't that one of Blood and Mud's things? Didn't they have the, the kit watch, stash watch? I know it's just rugby, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, classic Football Shirts is a website. Um, if you're not familiar with it, have have a look. I mean, it's it's an online shop, um, which is funny enough where I got the Cameroon Chilet, although that was in person at one of their exhibition things. Uh, but there's some incredible stuff on there, and st some stuff's just deliberately bad, and in a lot of cases, so bad it's good. Um, three of you, in fact, no, two of you, namely Phil and Russ, both talked about what you think is terrible stash. I've sort of got a bit of a soft spot for. Um, in both cases and um, Ben you couldn't be more right about DHL um, none of you by the way hit the platinum jiffy bag answer which Shock. is no surprise to anyone um, and I would have accepted anything connected with Liverpool FC in the 1990s and that, that could have included the Adidas three stripes across the shoulder what about the, their keeping kit uh, did you well nah, you're, you're not having the points <laughs> Um which, by the way, some other teams adopted, but they, I think it's most famous for them. But also the, the cream suits that they wore to Wembley for the cup final, if you recall. The, the spice oh, the cream. 
Yeah, Jamie Redknapp and Stan Collymore and. <laughs> Weirdly, I'm I'm reading that. <laughs> wow, that's a. Uh... In fact, I'm going to give you one point for that, Ben. Um, but I'm I'm despite not awarding nine points as a bonus, I am actually going to give them to George. Here they go. Um, because that answer, Southampton is that kit. At Southampton is an incredible answer. Um, it betters the platinum jiffy bag answer that I came up with. I mean, there's, you know, scientists working for Sir Alex Ferguson. I seem to recall, um, pointed out that, you know, the color of even the socks is important. And he was, fa- you know, the, one of the best managers of all time, famous for these little details. And he say, well, I want to wear brighter socks so my players can see each other on the field. And then somehow somebody got away with that gray monstrosity. Um, how that ever saw the light of day, I don't know. But that's that's an incredible answer. And legitimately the worst stash in sport. So um, by being better than my platinum jiffy bag answer, <laughs> for the first time, you're going to get those points. Thank you. Right. Uh, it takes you into the lead as well. Moving on. The return of the Bundesliga has got people going mad about something they ordinarily wouldn't care about. Um, I watched something called Der Klassiker yesterday. I didn't know that was a thing. It was, you know, I don't know if that's a hipster word that's only recent, but um, what, what tournament in the world of sport, though, wouldn't get you watching, even if it was the only event left in the entire world? Um, ben, let's start with yourself. So, guys, who likes all run fours? <laughs> <laughs> who likes medium pace bowling? <laughs> who likes boundaries brought all the way in? Who likes wildly incompetitive first innings totals? Who likes Thailand? <laughs> Who likes three and a half and over? Um, yeah. Oh. And I, I'm going to get this in here quickly. It's, it's not a dig at women's cricket in general, um, because I would have to be at a fairly loose end to watch a men's 2020 international, to be quite honest. Um, but I think all that people like about T20, um, you know, lots of sixes, light up stumps tumbling through the air. That's not the strengths of the women's game. That's not what you get. So I think it makes a game that's a pale imitation of real cricket even more of a pale imitation. Um, and as, and as, as an example, in the 2020 um, Women's World Cup, there were 76 sixes, um, which compares to 314 in the men's previous Men's World Cup. Now, there were more games, but it came at... Um, nine a match in the men's and just over three a match in the women's and also um ben stokes has hit 157 sixes in internationals in all formats so that maybe that puts that into context um so yeah um 2020 in general but particularly the women's version i, I started going a bit mad with the points at the start of that answer and it was Despite you having sent me the answers before the show, um, but I'd forgotten what they were, um, I thought I thought this was an answer about the hundred initially. So I just obviously it, <laughs> I just gave you loads of points, and now I realised what it was. But I'm standing by it. It's fine. Um, George, which event would you go? Would you avoid or not go anywhere near? So I imagine I'm like most of you lot and the people who listen to this. We love sport. We watch anything. Except for bowls. <laughs> I could not think of anything worse than turning up at a 
youth club, because that's where it looks like they hold these things, <laughs> to watch the World Bowls Championship. When, to be honest, I could do anything else. I'd pull my own fingernails out. But bowls, for me, is just bland, dull crap. <laughs> I've... I play. I gave it a go a couple of years ago. There you go. I've actually played it. It was quite good fun. You're but, not bland and dull. Well, mm. I, I, I've still got hopes of um, the Commonwealth Games. Isn't he the long snapper for the New Orleans Saints, Brandon Dull? <laughs> <laughs> no, Russ, he's not. Oh, damn. Oh, no, the Bucks. Oh, Bowles yeah. is in the Commonwealth Games, and I reckon at my age, I've still got time. Is that like archery? You're way you, too young. You yeah. can get, exactly, you can I could get, get into, right into it. Get because to it, archery or clay pigeon shooting or something else of the likes to get into the Olympics. My my mum took up archery at 58 and last year at 68 she was ranked 10th in the country for women's archery. Uh, <laughs> she could have some points. They're not for you, just to be clear. No, no, I don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a weird soft spot for bowls. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch it either. But is it was it David Bryant, the like yeah, old guy, yeah, was, was, like yeah. playing possibly into his seventies and smoking a pipe while doing it? Have, have you seen the? Um, I think it's the World Championships where um, they they paid Barry from EastEnders to come and sing a song beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> did he do it? His, did he? Did he do it his way? I think he did something inside so strong. Oh my <laughs> god! I think he nailed it as well. He did. He absolutely his, smashed it. Give yeah. his due. That was the best bit of the competition, I imagine. Due. <laughs> Barry from EastEnders rocks up and starts doing a bloody whatever the guy's name is. I can't even pronounce the guy's name that sang it. But Barry from EastEnders comes along and does it. That's incredible. That was my favourite thing, if you remember Extras, Ricky Gervais. Um, class. And, uh, Stephen Merchant's character would just, like Sean Williamson, who plays Barry, was like kind of as himself in Extras. And Stephen Merchant's character, whoever it was, just, just called him Barry like, the, <laughs> the, the whole time. And the first time it's funny and it just, get, it just gets funnier and funnier. And he's just like, start, he, he gives up correcting him in the end. He's like, yeah, yeah just, just call me Barry. It's fine. Um, right, where, where are we? Where, we're doing punching chat, aren't we? Halfway through a question. Um, forgotten what the question was. Russ, you're next, though. Oh, that's good, because I can't remember what the question is either. <laughs> Hang on, let me have a look. Well, tournaments in the world of sport. Oh, yeah, just, just, just Formula yeah, One, yeah. mate. Just Formula One. Any race, <laughs> any time, any place, anywhere. I've seen it announced that because of because uh, of the pandemic and shit, they're going to have two British Grand Prix, of which no one's going to be at. So you know, people can give it even less of a fuck. I just couldn't care less. Oh, let's make it louder. Let's make it quieter. Oh, that's a snazzy bouquet. Get rid of it. <laughs> Lovely stuff. All right, um, Phil. So I think if there was no sport at all, like guaranteed, no, no more cricket, I, I could probably tolerate a women's T20. I could probably do that just so that I got some sport. Similarly, I could watch a bit of bowls if I had 
a, a few whiskeys and nothing else to do for the day. I could watch some reruns of some old Formula One races back when cars used to crash quite a lot and like the old Monaco Grand Prix where about four cars finished and things smashing into walls. I could, I could watch that. I don't think anything could make me watch darts ever. Like the the thought of people who are clearly not sportsmen considering themselves to be professional sportsmen in a room full of the great unwashed who have just been let out from Gala Bingo and Farm Foods doesn't open yet. Just like, I just want nothing to do with it at all. You see these things pop up on Facebook occasionally on, on sport.com or whatever, or Joe Sports, and it's like, oh, the biggest rivalries in darts. And I, and I watched it today for a bit of research, and you're like, there's a bloke who looked funnily at another man. It's not even like you get a proper scrap. It's not like you would get if you had darts going on down the local pub and somebody thought somebody else was encroaching in their area where they chuck a pint over them and take them outside and have a proper scrap. They just look at each other funny and, oh, that's not very professional. Well, it's, you're fat people chucking sharp things at a bit of cork. Just get over yourselves. So, yeah, darts can go in the bin as far as I'm concerned. Incredible rants. I love the, the farm food. Farm foods isn't open yet. Um, just to clarify and pick on one thing you said, did you say you did some research? No, no, it came up on my Facebook feed. Okay, I was just fine. pretending, I was pretending uh, it was research. Yeah, yeah, I think you saw it was coming there. Nicely dodged. Um, quick look at the scores. In fact, that takes you into the lead, Phil, on, on 71. Ben's on 68. George and Russ both on 61. Um, next question. Given the financial implications of the world we live in at the moment um you know some smaller companies smaller sports teams could sadly go by the wayside but which team in any sport would you like to see go bust and never be seen again um phil we'll go straight back to you so there are some football sides that have always, for, well, for the last 20, 30 years, seen themselves as above their station as far as I'm concerned. Your Newcastles, your Leeds, oh, we're a massive club. The, the club, kind of clubs that say, oh, we're too big to go down. And it's, it's bollocks. You're, the size you are as a club is financially determined by your fan base and how much money you bring in. Is footballing-wise determined by where you finish in the league, whether you get any cups, any of that, any of the glory that comes with it. Now... West Ham, I used to have a bit of a soft spot for because they were similar to Southampton, flirting with relegation. If they finished 15th in, this, in the season, they were pretty happy with that. But over the last five or six years, all of a sudden, West Ham fans seem to think that they're a big club and they're something special, moaning because they come 12th in the table. Like, you should be celebrating that with the shit players that you've got and the crap fan base. But... Something to do with the move to a massive stadium makes them feel that they're a big club. They're not a big club. They're a shit club. They can disappear. Um, you may get the sense that I agree with your answer there. <laughs> right. Uh, before I give you so many points, I can't count them. Uh, let's go to Ben. Um, so I'm going to say the New York Jets. <laughs> um, yeah. Their, their owner is the um, aptly named Woody Johnson, um, <laughs> yes. who donated 1.5 million to Trump's inauguration. Uh, he's donated more since and has been made the uniquely unqualified U.S. ambassador to the U.K. Um, 
So for all those reasons, and for no real on-pitch reasons, I hope he loses all his money and uh, has to tour the Bronx selling signed pictures of Joe Namath for cash. <laughs> um, Russ, did you say we're live on YouTube? We are, yes. I'm hoping that nobody could see the fact that I just spilt quite a lot of beer down my top while trying to take <laughs> no a one's what No one's watching, mate. <laughs> That's no one's watching. Apparently, for, apparently for half of it, people could only hear me, so... Yeah. Like wow, every other one, that's one bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let's not turn, turn this into Mark Salem facts. <laughs> okay, uh, where are we, Russ? Um, I don't know where we are either. Interestingly, um, I keep asking you, like, yeah, you do. Uh, so, there's only one real answer to this, and uh, the answer's the obvious answer is Saracens. So I think I'll just give the answer of Saracens. Um, <laughs> the financial doping, the uh, co-investments, the purchase of properties, the murky waters that Mr. Nigel Ray and other Saracens uh, employees have embarked upon, so much so that the replacement chief executive couldn't take the, take the pace and he quit fairly swiftly um, or was sat... Oh, well, again, nobody really knows what happened um to him either so you know saracens are a little bit toxic it would be good for them to to just get in the bin for a little while and maybe come back a little bit like a a club that you know goes all the way down to the bottom and then has to reinvent itself and then come back nice and less cunty (laughs) excellent and george so I've gone for a club that have not actually ever played a game as of yet. Uh, the Welsh Fire from the 100. Um, they are supposed to represent the West Country. They're supposed to represent Bristol or Gloucestershire and Somerset. They're going to play in Cardiff. They've got a Welsh name. I imagine they've got a red kit with some sort of hula hoop or something on the front of it. And they can just do one. Let's let this play out. Yeah, there we go. You can tell George has listened, can't you? For <laughs> the last eight weeks. It's like the surefire way to the final. Just slag off the hundred. <laughs> it's not complicated. <laughs> I mean, even if you're a really big fan of the hundred, just slip in a bit of partridge. It'll get you there. <laughs> There's always a way. Okay, right. Next up, we've, uh, well, the last sporting question for tonight. We've seen lots of political press conferences recently, um, some better than others. Well, I should say some worse than others. Uh, But what's the best sporting one that you've ever seen? And Russ, let's start with yourself. So this this particular individual is renowned for, for kicking up a bit of a stink. I mean, during the two, uh, the build up to the two fights he had against Deontay Wilder, um, which turned into an absolute circus, let's be fair. Um, he is always at the forefront of, of talking trash and making making things happen. Uh, but I'm going to take you back a little bit further. 
uh, to 20, uh, 2014, 2015, to where he was due to fight Vladimir Klitschko. And he turned up, uh, he crashed a press conference and, and turned up dressed as Batman. Um, known for, for doing some I'm pretty Batman. weird shit. I'm Batman. Um, <laughs> to which, following following the press conference, the uh, Vladimir Klitschko pulled out of the fight initially due to a calf injury um, and had to postpone it. Um, and Tyson Fury claiming that he had intimidated Vladimir Klitschko with his with his crazy antics and, and turning up as Batman. So, yeah, Tyson. Any pretty much any press conference that involves Tyson Fury is is going to have a little bit of drama. But this one was particularly special. Okay, um, Phil. None of them. That's that's <laughs> the short answer. Um, I don't watch. I don't follow sport. I don't follow sport and watch sport to give a shit about the press conferences. I do it because I enjoy watching the sport. And I think there's there's too many egos around sporting press conferences, not just from the sports players, the managers, the but but from the press as well. Now, I've been fortunate enough to, to be in the audience at a couple of press conferences. One, one with you, Ben, at uh, Chiefs after they've played Ulster. And there was about five people there, including me and Ben and um, Mr. Baxter. And somebody turned around to Rob Baxter, one of the people there, and went, oh, Jack Noel got sidestepped for a try there. That's the second try that he's cost you uh, in the last two weeks. Wasn't, he wasn't got... that by Charles Piertau? Yeah, He exactly. got sidestepped by Charles Piertau. Um, is, he, is he becoming a liability in the team? And Rob Baxter did a fantastic job of laughing it off, going, you know what? Piotr's a world-class player. Jack Noel's a world-class player. Isn't it great to see two world-class players on the pitch? But I just looked at the bloke and I, I just felt like turning around to him going, you're a prick. And I'd had a few pints, which probably was, was making me more likely to do so. And I was like, no, don't get yourself thrown out. But no, I, I have no interest in press conferences whatsoever. Just like, let's concentrate on the sport. You've, you've not scored many points there, but I actually quite like that answer. I agree with a lot of that. Okay, uh, but George. Uh, so, Joe Kinnear took over at Newcastle <laughs> for a time as manager and then a time as director of football. Um, he came from the crazy gang of Wimbledon. He was a bit of a, a bit of a lad. And in his opening press conference, he was on camera. First bloke asked him a question and he called him a cunt. <laughs> uh, the second bloke cast him a question and he told him to fuck off and it pretty much carried on like that for five, six minutes I mean, safe to say Newcastle haven't exactly gone up or down since his time there but the press conferences have certainly got more boring <laughs> he, he swore 70 times in the press conference good on it, good on it. amazing um, and finally, Ben. Um, I was going to go for the uh, the classic when the seagull follows the trawler. Um, but in the end, I decided I liked my sort of ex-Man United players with more of a more of a sort of undercurrent of menace. So I've gone for uh, Roy Keane at Ipswich. So this is um, pre-Terry Waite beard. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's talking about diving and um, a phone rings. Um, cue death glare followed by whose phone is that um, so someone owns up and he just goes why didn't you turn it off 
and the guy sort of fumbles for an explanation and just basically says, I thought I'd leave it to ring out. And he just just sort of under his breath goes, all right, that's good manners. Um, and it was just, but it was just the imminent prospect of death at any second in that, in that press conference. <laughs> that, but uh, it was almost as good. And this wasn't a press conference, but it, it's my, probably my favorite part of sport broadcasting for about the last five years at the last world cup when, um, Mark Pugach asked Roy Keane about the Iranian manager, Carlos Quiroz. Did you see that? So Keane just goes, oh, good coach, good coach. And Pugach looks relieved, like, oh, I've got away with that. And then <laughs> Keane just goes, thought he disrespected me at his last time at United. And, and you see them, like, <laughs> cut to break, cut to break. And he says, yeah, said I didn't have any passion for the club. It's a bit rich coming from someone who's come back from Real Madrid with his tail between his legs. And then there's a there's a perfect pause and Keane just goes, should have ripped his head off. <laughs> there's something about Roy Keane and all tell how how does he have a job as a pundit for starters? But which, by the way, I think he's he's very good. But you spend the whole time awkwardly watching like an episode of The Office or like most comedy now where you're waiting to cringe and you just on the edge of your seat saying, just, just get through it, just get through it. And like, he's, he could explode at any moment. Like poor Gary Neville tries to find a positive in something and he's just like, Gary, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's never a positive in anything. It's just, <laughs> and, but worse than him exploding is the fear of him just blanking you. Or like <laughs> you, you've, you just worry that he won't, he'll just suddenly go monosyllabic. Like he's in a press, like he is in a press conference. And the whole the whole thing is so nerve wracking to watch, but I, I guess he he knows what he's talking about and has opinions, which he, he does. It's not it's not dull. I'll give it that. But the, there was one where the, he said about um, finishing high up in the league, and and the, co- the the commentator sort of went, "Oh, what do you mean by high up? First, second, third? And he just goes, "Well, I always take it to mean first. <laughs> it's like there was, <laughs> there was just no." concept of not finishing first in his head yeah <laughs> okay right we are going to move into any other business um <laughs> rush you're trailing i don't know okay. it's not personal mate you know you just um <laughs> so, uh, mine's, a, mine's a very quick one and uh, not a lot's happened to me this week in fairness um but what i will say is uh the chancellor of the exchequer rishi sunak tweeted earlier on this week and he's been criticized heavily for reading the room desperately wrong by saying uh, by retweeting a tweet from nando's from saying nando's is going to open its stores um and yeah or most of its uh, most of its restaurants for takeaway and he said the good news we've all been waiting he all retweeted it with the good news we've all been waiting for and just for that simple fact He's he, in that one simple tweet. He's ended up taking a load of flack for it, and everybody wants politicians to be a little bit more human, a little bit more relatable, to to be in line with the common man, and not you know what they're perceived to be. And they try and do it and have a bit of a joke, and all of a sudden everyone's going, "Oh, you're not taking this seriously enough. You're 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 making light of the situation. They can't win. Yeah, yeah. cannot win. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Phil, who's, ne- who's next? Phil's next. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna bypass the obvious one of uh, talking about my my current employment situation having been made redundant yesterday, and the ongoing hogweed gate. Um, I'm gonna skip <laughs> skip on. I'm not allowed outside. I'm not allowed to get sunlight on my arms, which is a pain in the ass. Um, well, but, the arms, uh, not the ass. Well, right, exactly. Um, so there was a bit of a Twitter conversation that went on between uh, Ben, Russ, myself, and friend of the pod Perry Hughes yesterday i think talking about um the role of the media uh, in current society and how they they flare everything up out, out of proportion um and it just got me thinking that it's this incessant requirement to have something new to talk about it's it's this requirement for for journalists to be a personality and to have something like robert peston and lauren laura coonsberg are more personalities than any other journalist would have been in the past. And it's more about them and how much can we hear about them. And then you've got somebody who is actually a pretty good political journalist in um, in Stephen Pienaar, who you just don't hear from anymore because actually he'll turn around and go, there isn't really much of a news story here and say it as it is. Because, but everybody needs current news and more information now. So... The same shit just gets rehashed again and again. Oh, what's the news? There is no news because actually it's the same as it was yesterday. I long for the days where the, the third item on the ITV news at 10 is a cat got stuck up a tree or a sheep had sex tuplets or just some kind of random stuff. But the public don't want that. They want to, they want people's blood and the journalists are just feeding this system and actually, yeah, just let's have some proper investigative journalism where people spend more than 30 minutes coming up with a story. And it's not about who's writing it. It's about what's being written. I missed, uh, I missed my window there, but I just wanted to say they've rebudged it. You fool. <laughs> perhaps, um, perhaps Roy Keane should do the daily briefing. Or just jack off the daily briefing and say, yeah, well, nothing's really that, changed. That takes it into a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> not, not jack off in the daily briefing. Um, just say, yeah. It'd yeah, be, it'd be few, difficult few with Laura deaths, in the room. Yeah, and, and if you, you know, without without wanting to take this into a slightly different direction, I mean, <laughs> it, it would be it would be pretty, pretty hard to jack off to Laura Koonsberg and uh, and Beth Rigby, wouldn't it? I'd, I'd, I'd pick Peston. If I'm honest, <laughs> yeah, probably would too. <laughs> be, be me, be me, and Matt Hancock out the back. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it, is, that, is that another euphemism? <laughs> Housewives favourite, everybody. <laughs> ben, any other business? I mean, there has been some very big news this week, and um, I think we should cover it. Um, I refer you to uh, page three of yesterday's Times, where there's basically been a reputation that's been trashed and there's been an attempt to rehabilitate it. Um, I speak, of course, of the Bolton Pool Defiant. Um, so a man's basically written a book about the Battle of Britain. And uh, as well as the hurricane and the Spitfire, there was another fighter, which was uh, effectively a piece of trash, which was the Defiant, which was basically a hurricane with a big turret on the back, which weighed a tonne and a man in it, which weighed even more. Um, but his argument is that they were quite successful the first time uh, they were encountered by the Germans because the Germans didn't know what they were. So they shot down a lot of Germans. However, the Germans rapidly realised that the, it had been designed with no guns on the front so the pilots could concentrate. And um, 
basically began to shoot them down in droves. Um, so this guy's um, point was, well, if, if they could have been escorted by hurricanes and spitfires, then they could have done a good job. To which I would say, why not just have more hurricanes or spitfires? Um, so I think the moral of that story is just because you can write a book, maybe don't. Excellent. Um, and finally, George, this uh, is your platform. Nothing as highbrow as the Battle of Britain, unfortunately. Um, I was going to talk about work and then I thought, you know what? We bought my son a slip and slide this week. He's two and he didn't understand it. So I spent this afternoon <laughs> giggling like a child, running up my garden and diving down the slip and slide head first, going wee for about two hours. That's that's coronavirus time for me. So, so you used your own piss to make the slip and slide slipperier. Oh yeah. Oh, good work. <laughs> piss and slide. Well, learn in the swimming pools of Bristol. <laughs> this has gone weird, but then, well, no more weird than usual. To be fair, right? That is that is it for for your questions. As you know, um. Well, I tried something different last week. Um, we're going to go back to defend the undefendable at this point. Uh, but Russ, you came in last place. You need to say more. I don't know. Two or weeks just, in a row. Just, just come up with seven answers for each question like some of the others do. Uh, but you, you had 112 points. Uh, Phil on 120. But in the final this week, Ben on 123 and George on 124. Um, defend the undefendable. So... I'll give you a statement and you'll have 22 seconds to defend the statement. Um, I'm being careful what I say here, just in case, you know, it sounds like another podcast, which of course it doesn't because it's not. Uh, ben, would you like to go first or second? Uh, I think I'll go second. Okay. So George, if you're ready, you're going to have 22 seconds to defend Eddie Butler should follow Andrew Cotter's lead and keep us entertained during lockdown by commentating on his goldfish. Oh, definitely. Eddie Butler is a gem of a man. He should be made a knight. He should have statues. I want to see videos about his goldfish. I want to see him commentating on how he cooks his dinner. I want to see anything that Eddie Butler is commentating on. Just send it to me. Tweet it. Tweet me. Put it to my WhatsApp. Eddie Butler, I want him in my life all day, every day. <laughs> Time is up and you've <laughs> all, all day every day <laughs> that's that's a high bar i'm gonna say that um ben you have 22 seconds on captain tom moore shouldn't accept his knighthood because all he actually did was go viral on twitter well i, I think it's very true because i mean really the best way to go viral on twitter is to find some foul play on a rugby pitch and make a short gif of it um, that's a lot more effort than walking up and down. And I think if you did sponsor um, English foul plays, gifts, uh, you would make several hundred million pounds from Ireland. Oh, this is this is close. There were there were both sort of six, seven on ten efforts. I would say. Um, do you know what? I, I like those in a way. <laughs> Um, I am going to go to the man who thought he was robbed last week um, as the judge on this occasion. Phil, you are going to decide who wins. All day, every day, as far as I'm concerned, the passion wins it. I'd give it to George. Thank you. <laughs> well done, George. Ed, 
um, Eddie Butler would call it a, a fish de gold, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or come up with some Latin crap for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very well, very well defended. Um, you both Thanks. kind of did defend it, which is unusual as well. So <laughs> excellent stuff. Congratulations, which, which George. Which is unusual. I like that. Which is unusual. <laughs> there we go. Punching chat nine in the books, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it ten? I've lost count. No, it is actually uh, Punching Chat nine. Uh, it was great fun again. George, thank you for, for joining us. It was Thanks an absolute pleasure to, to have you on. Um, as I said before, if you we we tend to have a lot of the same people interact with us on Twitter and in our on our socials, and it's really nice to hear from from anyone. So if you do listen and don't tend to interact, just drop us a little message or leave us a little review wherever you listen to your podcast if you can do that. Um let us know what you think. Let us know why you listen, how you listen, if you listen. And uh, you know, we'll be back next week with some more punching chat. Hopefully the lensman might be back. And uh, you know, we all know the lensman is everybody's favourite, other than uh, Matt, who seems weirdly infatuated with Ben. Not entirely <laughs> sure what, what that's all about. But yeah, we'll be back probably next week with some more punching chat. Although I believe there has been a, a return to contract contact training uh, in the Premier League. So we might have rugby following suit. I know they were a couple of weeks away from it. So who knows what is going to happen? Um, yeah, everybody, thank you very much for your assistance. Thank you, Adam, once again for your quiz hosting. And we will uh, see you next week. Go well. Podcast Network.